will this part right here make it into that little cutout thing you do at the beginning? We'll find out. We'll find out. Perhaps. I think there's a shot. Hey, welcome to the next episode of the Disciples Made Podcast. We're so excited to announce that this will be the last digitally available podcast. We're moving to 8-track and compact disc. So please <laughs> sign up imme- <laughs> Sign up immediately. Oh my Go gosh. to disciplesmade.com. Oh, wait a second. I forgot. We're going mail order. So don't, we're, no longer will there be a website. We have a mail order. Uh, here's the address. Get ready to write it down. It's only 99 cents for the first 10 <laughs> downloads. Isn't that what those little record company things were? Oh, yeah. That disc. What was it? The publish? No, it was that. I was in that club. I joined it six times to get 10 free CDs. Uh, oh, you're one of those guys. I just had <laughs> <was. laughs> $10 for anything afterward. Well, speaking of old technologies, one of the most important technologies in the church that's existed from its origin point is the idea of a small group. Jesus had a group of 12. That was small. You could call it a small group. Yeah. And God is always working through relational environments. Of course, in the church growth world, uh, there would be a different definition for small group. Um, I don't think you could say it's a one-for-one correlation with what Jesus did, but it has played a very important and pivotal role in the life of the church, especially the last 40 years or so. So today we're going to do something a little different with this podcast. Uh, we're going to sort of take off our Disciples Made strategy hats and we're going to go into the world of small groups within the prevailing model of church. So Brian, uh, first of all, why are we stopping the podcast and going to uh, compact discs with the <laughs> with this? I don't, I'm really not on board why do you want to do that? Okay, so just to make sure everybody knows, there is no change. <laughs> We're not charging anything. Okay, okay, We're all not right. going to... Good, just making sure. A-track. Real question then, why are we talking about small groups? We're talking about small groups because small groups have been my passion for 30 years. I mean, you're talking about, you know, how archaic, I don't know what, what term you use, but ancient uh, mode of technology or something like that. It, it has been 30 years. I was invited when I was in college. I was invited into my very first small group of three or four people that just met at this guy's house. I had never heard the term small groups. I had never been a part of a small group. I knew what a Sunday school was. And that, I guess that's small group-ish. But that one group changed the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was in small groups in every church that I've ever been uh, a part of, whether it was uh, when I was a youth director in seminary or the first post out, been doing small groups ever since. In fact, the most fun I ever had was when I was the small group director at Westside Family Church. And uh, it was there that, you know, I started thinking systems wise when it came to small groups. And I remember when we took our, uh, did our first huge initiative in the fall of 2010 and we uh pretty much doubled the groups from about 100 to 200 215 to about 230 somewhere in that range and when i know how significantly small groups have changed my life it just crushes me to read stats like we just talked about in our last episode a couple weeks ago with doug paul to see the stats of groups just not making those kind of disciples 
just crushes me because I know, I know, I know, I know that they can work. Well, there's, I think in the church world, a, a common acceptance of the importance of small groups. Yeah. At this point in time, I'd say the majority of churches have some kind of quote unquote small group ministry. And then when you see the kind of survey that Doug did that involved thousands and thousands of leaders yep. and the report back is so discouraging. Um, I mean, let's let's get into that a little bit. You were talking about sure. that before, survey. Before that, real quick, Rob, I mean, this isn't an isolated uh, research project. I mean, the net, you know, uh, others have done this. Uh, Exponential did one, discipleship.org did one, and it was pretty significant. Um, the other researchers, I don't know why I can't pull it right off of my head. Who's the big? Barna. Barna did the state of discipleship about two or three years ago. And stats were very, very similar. So this isn't a one-off. This isn't a COVID. Yeah, the, the data's in. The data is just flat in. Yeah. yeah. So now that we've talked about the big picture of stats and the data is in, let's go back to the most recent study with Doug Paul. Um, in case someone hasn't seen that, can you just quickly summarize some of the most important part, parts of it, in particular relating to discipleship in small groups? Definitely. And you can always go back and check out episode two to hear kind of the, the, the drill down into each one of these. But basically... Uh, pastors were asked part of the research they were asking like what's the biggest gap in disciple making in your church and 43 percent almost half said that small groups just simply do not work when it comes to disciple making when it comes to disciple making and yeah we get into that and we and we get specific about that and that's really the reason for me using such a provocative word i hate the word suck i don't know why in my growing up years that was just one of the words we didn't use it's not that way anymore and we had to just use it to say this is what pastors are saying about their own groups another 24 percent. so if you add those two together we're talking 67 percent said they have no clear pathway for making disciples. That's bad news. And then if you look at another 30%, which takes it to 96%, another 30% put the blame on people's lack of interest. So when I look at small groups and I see this like 4% saying we actually have some semblance of disciple multiplication happening in our small group, that's not a lot of hope. That mm -hmm. needs to be addressed. That's the reason for this entire podcast. We don't need to change our groups up hugely. We just need to become more intentional and more aware of what they are doing and leverage what they're doing to begin to multiply disciples. Yeah, that's our obsession. How do we multiply disciples? Yeah. It's because Jesus said, go make disciples, mm -hmm. which means every disciple needs to be a disciple who can make disciples. Right. If you keep that up long enough, you go from addition to multiplication. Mm -hmm. And then we have groups. Um, so here's, here's a question I'd ask. Uh, if you could go back in time and talk to the older Brian, um, you know, or the younger Brian. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. That was weird. That was, I, I just flipped did a, it. I, it's like back to the future. I went somewhere <laughs> weird in my brain with that. So it, let's say a church keeps adding small groups mm -hmm. and the leaders of those groups are inviting their friends. I mean, is it, doesn't that count for multiplication? Well, my first response is to say that what they're doing is good. You're adding, it's not multiplication, but it's good. And I don't want anyone to hear on this podcast that we're against addition. We're just saying well, you don't ever there get to can it. be more. Yeah, and you don't get to multiplication without addition first. Right. 
Absolutely. It's very good. And I, I love it. Uh, the first question that comes after that, though, is what is a made disciple? We're, I mean, our name is Disciples Made, and you can't multiply disciples until one is made. So a, a, a person who is a disciple has to disciple a person to an extent to where that person is not only um, impervious to every pastor and every small group <laughs> curriculum being vaporized off the planet. They just need to have what they, they've got what they need for the rest of their life. Um, they, that person actually needs to be able to multiply disciples in a way that that disciple would multiply on into the next generation. Second Timothy two, two, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy teaches others that teach others. That's multiplication. If all we're doing is adding groups and adding people, then that's simply adding. So let me summarize what you're saying. A disciple is a person who now was previously, let's say just a believer, but now they have whatever their minimum requirements are to be able to grow and through the spirit, gifts of the spirit, to live the fully alive life. And then not only are they knowledgeable of those and practicing those, they're able to actually reproduce that with somebody else. Very much. Okay. All right, keep going. Yeah, if you were to have a spiritual baby, what would they look like? Would they be able to breathe on their own? You know, those kind of things. Yeah, big stuff. With that summary in place, uh, what is the difference between that and the typical growing small group experience? I think uh, in most small group uh, experiences and settings, the small group is run in a way that it's still dependent upon the church's curriculum. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So there's some kind of dependency issue there. Right. You know, in fact, we actually, I actually, let me just own it. I actually leverage the tool. Like all you need to do is host, have a heart for people, open up your home, you know, serve some snacks, you know, invite a few friends and tell a few friends. That's the host acrostic. And I thought it was extremely successful and extremely helpful because people didn't need to have a teaching gift or a, a big information gift. Uh, to be able to host a group or lead a group, we could have CDs or videos or whatever uh, for those things. And, uh, and it was very successful at getting more people in the game, but we still needed the expert, the teacher to come through the technology. And so what we did was we got all these small group leaders that weren't disciples because they still needed that curriculum. And, and they may have not even picked up the habits of how do I develop my own character or my own calling? Yeah, and and perhaps those things aren't even on the radar, mm -hmm. which even makes it that much more dependent upon that curriculum. So kind of the question that I like to ask is, would that person's life and wisdom, that small group's leader's per life and wisdom be an adequate quote-unquote curriculum to keep multiplying disciples if all of church curriculum everywhere around the world was vaporized? And if the answer to that question is yes, then sweet. But if the answer is, I really need the church's curriculum to continue to disciple these people, then we have not made a disciple that can make a disciple. And if you haven't done that, you can't multiply. You can only add. And if you can only add, that's good, but it's not Jesus' plan. It's not his model. And it won't keep up with the population of a world that continues to multiply. Okay, so I can imagine... You know, a church leader listening to this and going, okay, okay. Um, there's a huge need for community. Right. And we have people that are coming on a weekend. 
we desperately want them to experience real community. Uh, and you're talking about disciple making. You know, if I get up and say, do you want, would you like to go deeper in community? People immediately go, mm, yeah, I think I do. If I get up and say, I want you, are you ready to become a disciple maker? 98% of the people are like, mm, I'm not sure about that. I know any community. Right. So, so if we're inviting people into small groups with the promise of community, how then do we actually move towards multiplying disciples without them feeling like, wait a second, bait and switch. I didn't sign up. Right. I signed up to have some friends and now you're like pushing all this other stuff on me about spiritual habits and mm. reproduction. And I, yeah, well, this is key because I absolutely agree with that need. People need community. You know, there's a the divorce race is is worsening. Uh, the sense of stability around the family is crumbling. The data is bad and it's getting worse. And the last thing we want to do is take that away for sure. And we need to do it better. It's like, give, give me a strategy for that to get better. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'll be all for it. But which by the way, in disciples made, we call it community forged. Brian, there's actually five sorry I didn't to get to, we're not doing that today there is that so yeah this community is a extraordinarily valuable component that jesus brought to the planet in fact if you have followed us long at all you know that we're all about developing character character um, helps our intimacy with one another grow mm-hmm. as we're more loving joyful peaceful patient kind you know the, the, the all that stuff gets better and that's the point here's the bigger thing community is awesome but Think about this. Disciples, if you truly are a disciple of Jesus, it will improve your marriage. If you truly are a disciple of Jesus, it will truly uh, help you become a better parent, a better teammate, a better boss, a better employee. Um, so what what I did when I was a small groups pastor, I chose to let groups be groups. Community with meaningful content was making a change and a helpful advantage for people's lives. A lot of people think that simply because we're inviting people to more that we poo-poo or put down small groups. I certainly don't, but I don't want to become so married to that system that I'm not able to see something else that can be a part of it. When I see a group leader or a host who steps up to lead a group, I see a person who is most likely, if they're like the rest of the human race, needing an upgrade in their own personal life. In fact, by stepping up to say, I'm willing to lead a group, they're basically saying, I need to be a part and I'm going to commit myself at a level where I want to be all in. And here's what's interesting. It's a huge challenge to lead a small group because lives are messy. And they'll start asking questions soon after being in that group. Well, how do I handle this? These people's lives are messy. I didn't sign up for this. I was looking for a community and I got in it. And now I don't know exactly what to do with it. This group is good, but it's shown me that I need more. And that's where I say, ah, it's exactly right. So we, and we leverage the small group model. We leverage the small group Uh, invitation into community for people to see that this is simply a step, not the step. Now they're longing for more. I used to think that um, I needed somehow as the director of small groups to disciple everyone 
in a group. Not to say that I would actually be in every small group and do it. We had over a hundred, you know, 30 small groups at Westside and more as we went on. But if I felt personally responsible for all those people, and I remember how I changed my view on that. I remember just truly going, if I can truly disciple the leader and the co-leader, if I could disciple two, then those two would indirectly disciple the six or eight. That is a game changer. Think about it. The IDE framework, intentional disciple making environment framework hits the leader, the outcomes, you know, the focus on character and calling, the fueling it with the habits, all those things. When they see that value, they take it back and add it to the group. And then I'm multiplying because we're actually turning that group leader into someone whose fabric does have what it takes to continue on discipling people, even if all the curriculum is gone. Yeah, it makes me think about you start small groups with the promise of community. If you then have done some kind of inception with the leaders, Mm -hmm. so let's say you've invited them into a full-out intentional disciple-making environment like Followers Made, Mm -hmm. they go back with a new capacity. They go back with a new framework. They're actually looking at their group completely different. Yep. And let's say they can transform the small group without violating the original social contract 30 to 50 percent yeah would you like every small group to have a 30 to 50 percent increase in its disciple making capacity yes or no (laughs) duh yeah and run pure ides at the same time yes that sounds like a win that's what it was (laughs) that's what happened though like tell a little bit more of that story well that's just what we did i mean these people um would take Like one guy didn't just do it with his small group. He also did it with the deacons. So one of the guys was the head of the deacons and uh, his name is Huck. And Huck said, okay, he just saw the value of having a triad accountability Mm -hmm. partnership and a, and a reading plan, uh, in, uh, the leaders made group that he participated in. So he takes it back to the whole deacon team. Mm -hmm. And when he was chairman of the deacons, he said, all right, we're all getting in triads. And he assigned the triads and he said, we're not going to prescribe you a Bible reading plan, but you need to have one and you need to do an I believe and an I will and report. We're going to spend the first few minutes of every deacon meeting just kind of giving a report on the themes of the I believe and I will from the last month. Beautiful, man. Yeah. So beautiful. I was actually, I had been on staff at Westside, I think, for two or three weeks. And he invited me to that meeting where he yeah. announced it, you know, and I remember thinking to myself, man, this is going to potentially lead to so much amazing spirit-led obedience hmm. in the deacons of this church versus the typical, um, what are the tasks and assignments and jobs yeah. of the deacons that we have to execute. It's like, well, now we're learning how to develop character. Yeah. Cooperate and with Jesus. That was such a low ask. I mean, the impact was highly valuable for everybody that participated. The change was extraordinarily minimal. I mean, think about your small group and only adding. So, hey, two ways we get to grow as Christians. We get to become more like Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit, and we, we get to kind of engage in his mission. Uh, what if you just asked every every three or four weeks, how did you grow in character? How did you grow in your calling? And then just give people the opportunity to answer those questions. And you just made those a priority every quarter or every other week or mm-hmm. whatnot. That's a low impact to the nature of a group. Mm-hmm. But it's, a, I mean, as far as affecting the meeting or having a sense of bait and switch, none of that's there. Yeah. 
I think what you're getting into now is, you know, a small group member is typically someone who's attending a weekly meeting yeah. to study some content. And now we're asking the question, you know, what is a disciple? Mm -hmm. You know, and how do we move someone from, quote unquote, just a small group member to a disciple? So what is a disciple and uh, how do we make them? The, uh, I love this. I mean, the, how do I know when I would, when somebody is at a place of being a disciple to the point where I would probably want to be a part of their group? There's another way to ask it. Um, these are people that have grown in character enough that I trust them to steward others' lives. And so that's the character part of it. And then uh, I know that they're called. They have a passion for it. They have been given the gifts. They identified the gifts. They have had peer feedback that helped them know that, yes, these are the gifts that I should be using. They're inspired by heaven. They're dependent upon daily obedience to Jesus through engagement in his word. And those are the people that I want leading the groups. That's a disciple. And so how do those people get there? That's the part where we actually uh, do well in our IDEs like followers made uh, to do just that. So now that goes back to the whole multiplication question. Another thing that these leaders will take away from going through a followers made and how that'll impact their group is they will be participating in our leadership development uh, process. So the map, which we've talked about before, the map, um, a multiplication map is where a leader of a followers made or an, another IDE actually takes note of people who have the potential to become a new leader. And then it has four steps where they walk them through. And we've covered this on other podcasts. And that map is key for two reasons. We can produce um, three leaders out of every 10 people in a followers made. And what that does is it actually multiplies the number of groups we can do. So that's really, really cool. So now you're talking about how someone in a group can basically move beyond a group into an actual full out IDE. Yeah. And we're talking about how followers made followers made is actually the group that we use those and, and other IDEs or the, the groups we actually use the map in to multiply leaders. Mm -hmm. And it's a non-threatening, not just one step that's pass or fail. And it, it's a very comprehensive approach, but here's the deal. If you're that group leader that just signed up to host a small group that went through followers made, that was identified as a potential leader and walked into the competence uh, to lead a group that we train you to do and followers made. And since you have the competence, you now have the confidence to do that. You know what it feels like to be taken from as a person who's just simply a group member mm -hmm. to a group leader because mm -hmm. there's shared leadership in all of our IDEs. Mm -hmm. And you know how comfortable and exciting and thrilling that is, then you take that value, just like Huck took the value of triads back, you, the leader, take that multiplication DNA back into your own group. Mm -hmm. And you don't speak of it as if it's this um, this horrible, what are the words we used early on? Okay, now we're going to divide your groups. <laughs> you know, people hated that. And then we tried to get really... Uh, you know, we tried to get a better word. So we said, okay, now we're going to, let's, we're going to multiply our groups. And we're like, That's just divide with a nicer name. And then we said, okay, we're going to change it. Try to try this one more time. We're going to give birth to new groups. And then all the ladies were like, that's, that's really bad. So, but now here we are, we've multiplied this leader 
through followers made. They know what it feels like to be developed in that way. Mm. They know the, the heaven uh, joy of the whole process. It's no longer this threatening thing that threatens community. It's this thing that helps us to engage and enjoy community that's a part of being on mission together with Jesus. Jesus, I like saying this, Jesus never went to Peter, James, and John, the rest, and said, hey guys, let's go grab a latte and study the Torah. That's community. Mm -hmm. He said, let's go change the world together. Let's make fishers. Let's, you know, let's become fishers of men and women. And the community that evolved around that, that's the stuff worth fighting for. Amen. Yeah. If I had to just retell the story briefly, you've got this guy, Brian, who's best in class. Went from 110 groups to <clears throat> 225 groups. Who wouldn't want to see that happen? Uh, but in the midst of that, Jesus uh, awakens in him this longing to see a higher level of transformation to see disciples actually made and multiplied. And there's this um, clever yeast in the dough strategy that Jesus led you to, mm -hmm. which is, okay, I've got 225 group leaders. They all have responsibility for, who knows, 8 to 15 people. How do I begin to look at that leadership community of 225 leaders and help them actually be disciples made? So early on, you had this intentionality as you're praying and asking the Spirit to guide you. Who do I invite? Well, let's invite the small group leaders. Because now we're going to begin to facilitate second and third gen multiplication. Now we're going to begin infecting every small group with a greater passion for character and calling, greater clarity about how the habits inform and and empower change in character and calling suddenly the, the focus on mission is going to go up because everybody's in an ide is figuring out where they're a missionary learning the blessed rhythms and you just keep that up month after month year after year and suddenly all the boats are rising mm -hmm. and that that is what happened at west side very much and and that's a play that could work in a lot of ball games all over totally all over this country. Yeah, it's amazing to me how many times we talk to people that are asking about Disciples Made and their question is, so does this replace small groups? <laughs> Absolutely not. Different purpose. Yeah, but in fact, it, we recommend don't do that. Right, your small groups are working. That's the point of this thing. They're working to get people into community. They're working to get people closer to center. It's a beautiful step in the right direction leverage the step that those folks have taken, particularly the leaders, to invite them to become more of a disciple that can make disciples. And that's why we're saying, you know, your small groups are working. They are working. They're inviting people to take a next step, particularly the leaders that step up to do that. Now what we want to do is come alongside and provide you a tool to take those leaders to the next level. Mm -hmm. And as you take the leaders to the next level, you take everyone to the next level. This is simply a leadership development process that you attach to your small group system. And by the way, you'll see this in, in later episodes of this season, you talked about all these things. How do you add habits and everything? One of the ways that people try to get groups to add habits or add a focus is with a quarterly training. And, uh, 
that doesn't work. So that's going to be a whole episode. <laughs> Why is disciple making a much better strategy for actually changing the DNA of all of your groups to begin with? Well, we're going to get into that. That's a big one. But also it's like, how do you get more and better leaders? How do you develop a coaching structure? Well, one of the beautiful things that happens when you start to disciple your small group leaders is they become much better coaches and and uh, team leaders for this as well so i'm excited to get to that point so helpful see so if you're listening today know that uh, your current small group system can actually be improved yeah um and it will be improved when you create a disciple making system and if you create a disciple making system something like followers made the fruit of discipleship is always better leadership so if you're interested in exploring that more, you can go to disciplesmade.com. Like I mentioned at the top of the episode, it's not going to be there much longer. We're going to go to a print catalog for everything. Oh. And also, um, please order up the CDs and the cassette tapes now because it takes four to six weeks for Limited editions. to you. All right. Please ignore Rob and listen to this. Listen, uh, 43%. This is back to Doug's stuff to wrap up. 43% said small groups don't work. We're saying they do, and they need to be used by the way you're actually running them. Another 24% said there's no clear pathway. We provide a very clear pathway that starts with small groups and ends up with reproducing disciple. Another 30% put the blame on people's lack of interest. Look, people are hungry for real live life and this does it we actually had a waiting list at Westside for people who wanted to be a part of followers made and then leaders made people are hungry for spiritual formation we can completely reverse these stats to where there's only four percent of a problem and 96 percent of a solution your small groups do not need to suck join us and let's make them more and better Hey, we'll see you in two weeks with the next episode where we're going to get into how invitations matter. Changing the way you invite will actually change the whole game. We hope that what you heard today was an encouragement to you or that it increased your curiosity in making disciples that make disciples. If you'd like to learn more about our experiences or set up a coaching call, you can visit us at disciplesmade.com or email podcast at disciplesmade.com.